Good morning, Orlando. Great to be back with you on the 50,000-watt front porch. Good Tuesday morning at 6 o'clock as we bring you our first look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. Welcome back, Bud Man, and I'm Deborah Roberts. Our top stories this morning President Trump will address Congress tonight, and SpaceX plans a trip to the moon. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. Why I think the Trump speech tonight may be unlike anything we have ever heard in a speech by a president before a joint session of Congress. It's next on Good Morning Orlando. Good Tuesday morning. It's 6.01 on News Radio 1025. President Trump will address a joint session of Congress tonight. The primetime event will be Trump's biggest speech since his inauguration. He will talk about plans for a $54 billion boost in defense spending. The president described the military as depleted and said it must be rebuilt. Former Kentucky Governor Steve Bashir will deliver the Democratic response to the president's speech, and that will also include him highlighting the effectiveness of the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare in his state. Republicans are still actively planning to repeal and replace the health care law, though replacement plans remain uncertain. Join Mike Yaffe for his Beyond Reason radio show from 8 to 9 tonight, a kind of appetizer before we'll carry the president's speech live from 9 to 11, including the president's speech, of course, the Democratic response and the analysis. And I'll tell you in a moment, the president has just said something that may really chum the waters, and this could be a wild night in the halls of power in Washington. More in a moment, Deb. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Billionaire investor Wilbur Ross has a new job in President Trump's cabinet. The Senate easily confirmed Ross as U.S. Secretary of Commerce. The yeas are 72. The nays are 27. The nomination is confirmed. The Commerce Department has a wide range of responsibilities, including trade, census data, fisheries management, and weather forecast. It's also responsible for promoting America to foreign investors. Out West, this is simply an amazing story. Officials say one of the teenage family members aboard a plane that crashed into some homes in Southern California was somehow thrown clear of the crash and suffered only minor injuries. Oh, my. Yeah. How seldom do we hear something like that? Because the other person who survived uh, is in critical condition in the Mm -hmm. hospital, and, of course, this plane crash also killed three. Yeah. Now, officials say she was able to talk to firefighters about the crash again that killed three other people. The plane had just taken off after a cheerleading competition at Disneyland, We know those are very popular. We host quite a few at the ESPN World of Sports out at Disney. Uh, No one on the ground was injured as well. In local news, SpaceX is getting into the tourism travel business. SpaceX CEO Elon Musk says two tourists are paying for a trip around the moon next year. He said the tourists have already placed significant deposits for their trip with a crew. Their names, however, were not released. The company said the space flight will take place late in 2018 after a crew aboard a NASA Dragon 2 craft is sent to the International Space Station. And this is local news because it should be getting off the ground at the Space Center. Musk said the private mission would travel between 300,000 and 400,000 miles and would take about a week to complete the long loop around the moon and return to Earth. They're not going to be landing, but still... Even Dale Ketchum with Space Florida said this is the closest not even a lot of astronauts get as close to the moon 
as these two individuals are, not in decades, since the lunar missions yeah. of the 60s. No question about it. I've got more on this coming up later this hour. And and what an economic shot on the arm this is for Florida, but particularly for the hard-pressed Space Coast that's really been limping along since the demise of the shuttle program. A manned flight to and around the moon, not on the moon, but around the moon, and coming so quickly, they're talking second quarter of next year, Deb. Yeah, it's unbelievable, and of course, this is starting a whole different kind of space race. You're going to have uh, Blue Origins now getting into the game. Space tourism is really where they want to go between that and working with companies. What we have here is a great marriage between NASA, which is not disappearing from the scene by a long shot, on the government side of the ledger here for space flight but also private enterprise, and, yeah. and, and, and the engine of private enterprise is what has driven this country to become the greatest economic power on Earth. I'd love to see this. And the price for a ticket? Reportedly a cool $200 million. Well, I guess I'm out. How about you? <laughs> Woo, is that right? 200 mil. 200 mil, uh-huh. yeah. Okay. Airbag maker Takata is pleading guilty to a criminal charge for building faulty airbags blamed in more than a dozen deaths. The Japanese company has agreed to pay out a billion dollars for covering up defects and airbag inflators that resulted in the deaths of at least 16 people, including the death of an Orlando woman, high-end Tran, and over 100 other injuries, including a Lake County man who lost an eye. The faulty airbags led to a massive recall of millions of vehicles. And finally, New Orleans is geared up today for the final blast of Mardi Gras revelry. The streets are expected to fill with costume partygoers, dazzling floats featuring kings and queens for this <laughs> Fat Tuesday, and people of all ages Screaming for trinkets and beads, lots and lots of beads, but with Lent beginning tomorrow. The party ends at midnight when police on horseback do a ceremonial clearing of Bourbon Street to mark the formal end of the carnival season. Get it all out of your system before the next 40 days, 40 nights. Things are going to be a little lean. That's the way it's supposed to be during Lent. Absolutely. WFLA News Time 607. Get the details on the 58th annual Winter Park Sidewalk Art Festival at 1025WFLA.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando back to full prescription strength starts now. <laughs> News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando with Bud Hedinger and Deborah Roberts on News Radio 1025. Dan, before you head back to the newsroom to get the 630 ready for us here, we're right. on Facebook Live, I so know. check out my partner. On the 50,000-watt front porch, like us on Facebook at WFLA Orlando. I want to say thanks to Yaffe and to Mark Logos for hosting In My Absence. And um, and I know they did a great job. And Yaffe, you're so red hot right now. Um, you're in prime time setting up the President of the United States this evening. Yeah. I mean, he. we made sure that he put off his speech just long enough so I could do my show right before and set him up. Hey, and, he better know who you are. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I think he's quaking in his, <laughs> uh, in his boots. But but Yaffe will be on from 8 to 9 yes. tonight with his Beyond Reason show, taking your calls and texts as well, just as we do here in the morning. Then from 9 to 11, the president's speech before a joint session of Congress. I'll tell you in a moment why I think it may be a wild show, unlike anything of its kind we have ever seen, followed by the Democratic response, full analysis. So it's going to be at least 8 until 11, right here on WFLA. And you want to be right here on FM 1025 WFLA and AM 540. And, of course, worldwide on iHeartRadio. Digging in on what's coming with the president's speech tonight and something that the president has just said that will really chum the waters and have the Dems ready to go after him tonight in Congress. Stay tuned on that. 
We'll get to that and a whole lot more on the 50,000-watt front porch. It is just great to be back with you. Went on a cruise with my wife and a bunch of old friends I used to sing with. We got to sing on the ship from one end of the Caribbean to the other, and it was the time of my life. The only thing that's better is being right here in front of you on this uh, microphone on the 50,000-watt front porch. Special hello to my buddy Tom watching down there in Palm Beach. Great job singing, buddy. You are awesome. All of this in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFL. President first takes office in the first term. They don't call it the State of the Union address. They don't do that till the second year. But that's exactly what this is tonight, the joint session of Congress address by new President Donald Trump. Starts at 9 o'clock right after Yaffe does one hour of his primetime show, Beyond Reason, right here on WFLA. Take you right on through the speech. We'll take you to the Democratic response. And then there will be full analysis from our friends at Fox. It is all coming up primetime here on WFLA. We have advance word from uh, White House Press Secretary Sean Spicer on what's going to be in this speech. It's going to be an ambitious first-year agenda unveiled by the president in greater detail we are promised than we have seen before, ranging in everything from immigration to infrastructure. Um, He's going to try to strike, Spicer says, the president will strike a balance on the challenges ahead, reflecting a more optimistic, forward-looking tone that focuses on the American spirit that the president will be highlighting public safety, including defense, and he wants another $54 billion for that to build up the military, as Deb was telling you. Increased border security will be on the lineup this morning, taking care of our veterans. Economic opportunity, including education and job training, health care reform, jobs, taxes, regulatory reform, one after the other. Um, the waters are really chummed, and it's very, very hostile between the Democrats, as we know, and, uh, and Donald Trump right now. And there's even hostility among some of the Republicans as well, who will be sitting there in the seats in the um, in the House of Representatives where everybody will be gathering. Now, when I say the waters are chummed, here's why. Listen to Donald Trump. This was an excerpt released last night from an interview that will air in its entirety this morning on TV on Fox and Friends. And you know the, the leaks, and Sean Spicer's been talking about him. He he, he kind of confiscated the phones of about a dozen staff members at a surprise meeting. and says, I want to know what's on these phones. Hand them over. And it wasn't mandatory. It was voluntary. They all did. He wants to see who is leaking. Um, I don't know how this is all going to play out, but the president, if he's having a leaking problem in his inner circle, has got to have a purge. He needs people who are loyal to him. And he suggested very strongly, I think, last night that you can lay the blame for all of the leaks out of the White House on the Obama administration and and those who worked for it, but more particularly on the former President Obama himself. I think he is behind it. I also think it's politics. That's the way it is. And look, I have but a very Bush was never. Agenda. Bush wasn't going after Clinton. Clinton was going after uh, Bush. Well, you never know what's exactly happening behind the scenes. You know, you're probably right or possibly right, but you never know. No, I think that President Obama is behind it because his people are certainly behind it. And some of the leaks possibly come from that group, you know, some of the leaks, which are really very serious leaks because they're very bad in terms right. of national security. But I also understand that's politics, and in terms of him being behind things, that's politics, and it will probably continue. Accusing the Democrats' beloved Barack Obama of being behind the leaks, 
is going to have the Democrats furious tonight. You remember back in 2009 at Obama's State of the Union address when uh, Republican um, Congressman from South Carolina, Joe Wilson, blurted out, you lie. Remember that? I think that's nothing compared to what you're going to hear tonight. And I predict you're going to have cat calls. You're going to have all kinds of stuff coming out of that gathering from the Democrat side. And I predict the president will not ignore it. I predict he will go right after them just the way he did with his critics on the campaign trail and has done with his critics since then. I don't think we have seen anything like we're about to see tonight. That is my prediction. I think it is going to be wild and woolly. What are you looking for from the president tonight and also from the Democrats? Let's talk at 407-916-5400. Hit my text line at 23680. I tell you, if those Democrats start going after the president during that speech tonight, I think they're going to find that they're in a league they don't know how to play in, as all the Republicans found out during the primaries and the debates, okay? Because I just don't think he's going to stand there and take it. But what I want to hear is substance from the president in a couple of areas. I'm okay with increasing defense spending by $54 billion. Obama depleted the military. It's not a priority. He wanted to withdraw the United States from preeminence on the international stage. By God, he did it. And the military and our place in the world community of nations has suffered because of it. But I want to see offsets here. He's talked about wanting to downsize a lot of these other agencies, and cut their budgets. I want to hear at least $54 billion worth of that, and I want to hear numbers tonight from the president, Yaffe. I want to hear offsets for this, and a lot of Republicans in Congress are going to want to hear it as well. He's not going to go after the entitlements. It's too controversial, too much of a hot potato politically for him right now, but obviously you cannot retire a $20 trillion debt without going after entitlement spending that is close to two-thirds of the budget right now. Yeah, I mean, he said he said earlier this week the administration said they are going to have cuts to other other agencies to pay for the military spending. So hopefully, yeah, we will see some of that tonight. Um, that That's definitely what I want to see as well. Yeah, uh, how contentious do you think it's liable to be? Do you think Ooh. I may be a little bit over the top here? No. I just don't think it's going to be a typical uh, State of the Union type address. I just don't see it in this atmosphere. I'm wondering, you know, you know, when they first announced the president and everyone's clapping and everything, I wonder if all the Democrats are even going to do that. I wouldn't be surprised if some of them refuse to clap when he comes in. Yeah. Yeah. What's going to happen when he walks in and walks down the aisle? Is he going to be glad handed by everybody or all the Republicans going to be lined up or are they going to be giving him some space too? I mean, I, I just don't think the guy's getting a whole lot of support from his own party and nothing yeah, but hostility sure. from the Democrats. But I tell you, he's a bulldog. He's going ahead with what he was elected to do. And so far, I have, for the most part, really liked what I have seen of President Trump. 407-916-5400, text line 23680. And what's coming in on the text line, Mike? Uh, Yeah, we have comments on the whole idea. He was talking about Obama is responsible for the leaks in his administration. So we're getting some reaction to that. One person said, the Democrats can talk all all the smack they want about Trump. But when Trump actually stands up for himself, there's an outcry. I think that's a good point. You know, they go crazy when Trump's merely just standing up for himself. Yeah. One person said, Bud, I had the exact same thoughts about Obama being called a liar and what's going to go on with the upcoming speech tonight. He thinks he agrees with Trump on Obama, basically. 
And you're going to roll right into it with a full hour of Beyond Reason, your show on WFLA this evening, right? Yeah, and I've talked about in the past couple of weeks that pretty much what Trump said, I think a lot of it is politics in the administration. I think that's what's responsible for a lot of it. There's division everywhere in our country right now. Why would we not expect it to be in the intelligence community or in the bureaucracies? So you'll be on 8 to 9 taking calls yes. and text messages, and and then you're going to set up uh, the president who goes from 9 to 11, including the Democratic response and analysis, right? Yep, yep. We'll be all be on tonight here on WFLA. Fantastic. By the way, thanks for all the warm welcome backs on Facebook Live. You can like us on Facebook at WFLA Orlando. We, we're on video half an hour a day. Thank you all. I love you so much, and it is great to be back here behind the microphone on the 50 thousand watt front porch from the front gate realty studio visit laura has the buyers.com we're on wfla news radio 1025 fm still on am 540 and nationwide for you on i heart radio we're about 14 and a half hours away from president donald trump addressing a joint session of congress that's our big story this morning and let's catch up on that and the rest of the news once again, Deborah Roberts. Deb? Thank you, bud, and welcome back. His allies hope President Trump's first speech to a joint meeting of Congress tonight will help him move beyond the distractions and self-inflicted wounds that he's dealt with so far. Trump's advisors say he'll declare early progress on his campaign promises and that he's been gathering ideas for the address from a series of listening sessions with law enforcement officials, union representatives, coal miners, and others. Mike Yaffe will kick off tonight's coverage with his Beyond Reason radio show from 8 to 9, and then we'll carry the president's address live from 9 to 11 p.m., including the speech, Democratic response, and analysis. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. In the meantime, President Trump says his administration is preparing, quote, something special to replace Obamacare with. Meeting with some top health insurance CEOs at the White House, Trump again called the health care law a disaster. He said a replacement plan will lead to lower costs and better health care. Trump was joined by leaders of Cigna. Aetna, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, and Humana. Trump said he's asking the big health insurers to help ensure a smooth transition from Obamacare to a replacement plan. As Republicans in Congress try to figure out how to replace Obamacare, the Speaker of the Florida House says, give us a chance. Speaker Richard Corcoran says states can come up with their own solutions and the timing is right. There's a new day in Washington. Basically, we're, we're excited. North Florida Congressman Matt Gates says Washington always seems to screw it up, but he thinks Tallahassee gets it. And I am certain that the very competent people here in the state of Florida, in the legislature, uh, in the governor's mansion, are capable of executing a Medicaid program that does a lot better for our constituents and those who are truly vulnerable and in need. The speaker even has a plan nicknamed Corcoran Care that relies on a free market instead of federal subsidies. New Orleans' new VA hospital is being nationally praised for its focus on helping veterans with more than just their physical condition. The Wall Street Journal focused on the Southeast Louisiana Veterans Healthcare Facility in an article this past weekend. The hospital was praised for taking into account the emotional needs of veterans with regards to wall colors, social spaces, and even the number of chapels. Design experts call the hospital buildings and campus a model for all future VA hospitals. And this is National Eating Disorder Awareness Week. The National Eating Disorders Association touts this week as an opportunity to increase public awareness about the various types of eating disorders and treatment programs available. This year's theme is It's Time to Talk About It. For more information, you can check 
check out nationaleatingdisorders.org. And finally in sports, today is media day for Orlando City. The Lions will open the MLS season Sunday against New York City FC. WFLA News Time 635. I'm Deborah Roberts, News Radio 1025 WFLA. Get these stories and more at 1025WFLA.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando continues now. Thank you, Deb. We continue from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit LauraHasTheBuyers.com and at 635 you can set your watch by it. As long as I'm doing my job here and we're on time. And uh, we bring in Gina Cervetti with the Daily Bloomberg Business Report as she joins us live from the Bloomberg Newsroom in New York. Good morning to you, Gina. Bud, good morning to you. Welcome back. Great to be back with you. When I was trying to figure out yesterday what was going on after totally disconnecting on my Caribbean cruise for a week. Well, good for you. That's what you should do. It was good. But, boy, (laughs) the re-entry's been a little rough. There's a lot going (laughs) on. I I took note of the fact that there was a record set on Wall Street yesterday. Fill us in on that and the rest of the stock picture, if you will, Gina. All right. Well, the stock futures are kind of quiet here ahead of President Donald Trump's address to Congress tonight. But yesterday, the Dow extended its winning streak to 12 sessions. It's been gradually getting up there. This is the longest streak like this in 30 years. It rose 16 points to 20,837. The S&P rose two or a tenth of a percent to 2370. And the Nasdaq was up 17 to 5862. We've had some pretty good earnings as of late, and investors are assessing the latest economic reports. We've got an important one coming down the pike today, and that is a revised estimate on fourth quarter economic growth from last year. Well, the president will have that with him when he goes to Congress tonight. I'm sure he's hoping that it is that it is going to be the news he wants. Now, the president is committed to bringing jobs back into the United States. But on the Bloomberg report this morning, an indication that in some cases that may be easier said than done. Yeah, President Trump would like companies to bring manufacturing jobs back to America. But Caterpillar, for one, is saying that it has limited scope to do that. The equipment giant generates about 60 percent of its sales outside the U.S. and says it makes sense to build most of its products where they're sold. Caterpillar's director of investor relations does tell Bloomberg that the company has brought back production to the U.S. in certain instances. And uh, Takata continues to be in the news. Deb had an item on it earlier. You've got more in the Bloomberg Business Report, Gina. Takata and the exploding airbags has landed Mm. them in court here in the U.S. Yeah, U.S. judge in Detroit accepted Takata's guilty plea to one count of wire fraud for falsifying data and reports that it provided to car makers connected to the faulty airbags. It's part of a $1 billion settlement with the Justice Department stemming from the airbags that are linked to 17 deaths worldwide. Takata will be subject to an independent monitor while on probation for three years. Now, the U.S. has also charged three former Takata executives for their alleged roles in hiding the risk. Since 2000, the company's been sued by dozens of people in the U.S., claiming that they were injured by shrapnel from the airbags. But the settlement yesterday mm-hmm. ends the investigation by the U.S. Justice Department uh, for the company. Boy, so. what, a, what a nightmare that story has been. Thank you for the update, Gina. Before you go, uh, Walmart has uh, done something uh, with its app that apparently is aimed at making their pharmacy operation a little bit more user-friendly? 
Yeah, a lot of companies are tweaking their apps, doing more stuff digitally. Walmart is now upgrading its mobile app so that you can use it to refill your prescription and skip the line at the pharmacy counter. Once a pharmacy order is placed, customers will be able to use new express lanes at the store, scanning a code once at the register, and you can even pay with a Walmart pay account. If you have one of those, you might want to set one up if this is something that uh, sounds appealing to you. Walmart says the new app features should be available in almost all of its U.S. locations by this fall. It will start rolling them out next month. Good stuff. Great to hear your voice again and to have you back with me on the Bloomberg Business Report. Gina, thank you so much. Have a great day. We'll catch you tomorrow morning. All right. You too, bud. Thanks. Good deal. Hey, the next men to the moon will launch from Kennedy Space Center in Central Florida on a SpaceX rocket and sooner than I could have imagined. What a story this is, and we'll dive into it in new detail in a moment. We'll have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic for you, in fact, in two minutes, here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I was so excited when I was prepping my first show since the cruise, when all of a sudden the news broke from Elon Musk, the CEO of SpaceX, that they plan to put a couple of people on a rocket and send them to the moon, not to land on it, but to slingshot way out and around it, taking them deeper into space than any human beings have ever gone. And we pray, bring them back alive, safe and sound, and to do it sometime in the calendar year of 2018, next year, more important for us, to make it all happen right here in Central Florida and to launch their rocket with the two men on board. I don't know if they're men or not. They're two really rich people who have forked over what Deb is telling me is believed to be about $200 million a ticket for the ride of a lifetime. We don't have their names, not yet. But they're going to launch from Kennedy Space Center on the Cape from Pad 39A the iconic location for all of the Apollo launches. Awesome. When we sent men to the moon, first around it, and then those who landed and walked upon it. Now, they won't land on the moon, but this is an extraordinary thing. They are talking about sending them on a total distance of three to 400,000 miles actually out into space, okay, because the moon is only about 240,000 miles away. So it's not going to be real tight around the moon from what I'm reading here. And and they're going to go farther than any human beings have ever gone, including all of the NASA astronauts. It's a pretty incredible thing. And um, Musk acknowledged that the flight would be dangerous, said the customers have their eyes open about what could happen. We're going to do everything we can to minimize that risk, but it is not zero, Musk said. I'll tell you one thing that is also not zero, the economic impact that is going to have on the um, Space Coast, which has really been economically depressed since the shuttle program went under and back in 2000, I think, 12 or so. And, uh, and that is just absolutely terrific news there. Yaffe, I don't know. If I had the money, I'm not sure I would do this because it, from what we know from Musk, it's just the two space tourists on there. They're not going to have any astronauts on board, all right? They're going to be in the hands of the computers and the ground crews, and that's it. And they're just going to be the two of them never having been in space before. they got to go through physical training for it, et cetera, to pass all the tests to make sure they can physically handle it. But, wow, whoo, 
I don't know. I don't know if I ever want to be that alone. What do you think? <laughs> I don't know. I think I want to wait until it becomes more of a routine thing. I'm guessing eventually, you know, this will happen a lot. You know, this will be the first time it will be a big deal, and then eventually more and more people will be doing it. The only way I would do it, if I had the money, would be if I quietly knew I was dying of a terminal disease. Oh, well, yeah. I wouldn't tell NASA, I wouldn't tell, you know, Musk that, because then you'd never get on, you know, they wouldn't clear you. And if I knew, hey, listen, the end is near, so what the heck? Let, let, let's take a shot at it, you know. And uh, other than that, I, I don't think I'd have the guts to do it in a scenario like that with no professional astronauts on board with me. So if Musk called into the show right now yeah. and said, Bud, I will let you do this for free, you wouldn't do it, huh? No. I'm sorry. <laughs> I got I, I got a family. I don't know. I got kids and grandkids and a wonderful wife and great friends and, and great people I see and work with every day like you. And I, I, I don't think I need to be in the high-risk business. And I think that no matter what you say, I think this is pretty high-risk stuff. Plus, you better like who you're with up there. You know, hopefully it's not someone you would hate. Well, it, it takes about a week. It isn't like you're going to Mars or anything, you know. But uh, I, wonder, Still. I wonder how many people are listening right now who would say, if I had the money, I would do it. Or no way. I'm on the no way side of the ledger. What about you, Mike? Somebody puts 200 mil in your pocket or Musk calls you and says, hey, Yaffe, you want to go for free? Man, I would be so terrified. I don't know if I could do it. I don't know, just because I would be scared and claustrophobic, and I don't know. <laughs> but if for free, I would have to really think about it. Yeah, you know, no, nobody, nobody wants to hear audio of of Yaffe on the way around the moon, whining and crying. You know, and <laughs> having a panic attack up there. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Anyway, exciting news for Central Florida. I hope they pull it off and it's safe and it works and it, and it is groundbreaking stuff. What a partnership. I mean, he congratulated NASA and he said NASA made a lot of the stuff we're doing possible. You know, I mean, there's a great thing going on here between government. The NASA side is not going away and it shouldn't go away. And, and, and yet private enterprise, which never really had a role in manned spaceflight, and now that's unfolding, you know, with SpaceX and some of these other companies. I mean, it, it speaks to the very best of American free enterprise system. I love it. I'm excited. I hope you are as well. Before I get to the insults and incompetence at the Oscars, let's bring in Joe from Titusville, right opposite the Kennedy Space Center launch complex. This SpaceX manned launch slated for next year. Joe, what are your thoughts on it? Would you go if you had the money? Well, I'll tell you, I'd go as long as I got a window. They have to have a window. <laughs> Why do you want a window? I got to be able to look at something. I don't want to be stuck in there with somebody I may not like, you know, and not even have a window. Uh, <laughs> but, but, I, but I'm game. I'd go. In a heartbeat. How exciting is this for you folks out on the Space Coast? It's been pretty rough for several years without without the shuttle program. Yeah, it, it's picked up a little bit uh, with some of these other launches that they have going right. on. SpaceX was moving in. So it's it was really bad a couple of years ago. Yep, uh, I remember. But, uh, it, you know, they've, they've, they've started, you know, on, a, on an uptrend. Yep. And this should help a lot. Uh, if they start doing permanent launches out there, so 
Joe, I wish you could go. All you need is $200 million in a window, and you're up, right? Yeah, well, I figured I'd take a loan. They were giving, they were giving loans away to people who didn't have jobs. I got a job, just not, not, not enough to pay for it. But <laughs> Good talking with you, buddy. Have a great day. Thank you so much. You know what? The Oscars are really paying the price, you know? I think the Trump supporters around the country are doing to the Academy Awards folks what they did to the NFL, you know? Take a knee, disrespect the national anthem, and uh, all of a sudden NFL ratings are off 8%, and that's the reason. I don't care what they say. And now the Oscar numbers are in, and there's a drop-off of more than a million viewers from last year, the smallest audience for the Oscars since 2008. And in no small part, I believe, because everybody knew there were going to be all these anti-Trump jokes and it was one after another spewed by the host, um, Jimmy Kimmel. Here's just a couple of them because I don't want you to have to listen to this at any more of this than about two of these anti-Trump jokes uh, made me too sick to add more. So here we are. And I want to say, I, maybe this is not a popular thing to say, but I want to say thank you to President Trump. I mean, remember last year when it seemed like the Oscars were racist? That's gone. Some of you will get to come up here on this stage tonight and give a speech that the President of the United States will tweet about in, in all caps during his 5 a.m. bowel movement tomorrow. Sick. You know, they're all cheering, but mainstream, you know, middle America was not. They were not watching. Here, though, you've heard a lot about this, is how the biggest fiasco in the Academy Awards long history went down at 12.38 a.m. Sunday morning on this bloated, overly long show when La La Land was named Best Picture, when the Oscars should have gone to Moonlight. Now, Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway, the now ancient stars of Bonnie and Clyde, opened the envelope for the Best Picture Oscar, find themselves staring at a card that says, Emma Stone, La La Land. Stone had already won Best Actress for her starring role in that film, and a few minutes later, the producer of La La Land, who'd spoken with a panicked stagehand and discovered the mistake, stepped in and corrected the colossal error. And the Academy Award... For best picture. You're awful. Come on. La La Land. Yeah! Guys, I'm sorry. No. There's a mistake. There's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won best picture. Moonlight won. Come on, this is not a joke. Come this on. is not a joke. I'm afraid they read the wrong thing. This is not a joke. Moonlight has won best picture. Moonlight, best picture. And he held up the card to prove it. Now, before and during the show, all the awards envelopes are in the hands of the accounting firm of Price Waterhouse. Here are the co-hosts of ET Entertainment tonight trying to make sense out of the biggest fiasco in Oscars history. Okay, so let's break this down. Price Waterhouse Coopers, the people responsible for handling the top secret envelopes, actually have two of each category. There's doubles of everything. They take two separate cars to the ceremony and then stand on each side of the stage and hand one envelope to the presenter, depending on which side of the stage they come out on. That's right. And the system acts as a whole backup policy in case one of them gets stuck in traffic or the envelopes are lost. They also memorize the winner in each category 
category, that didn't work very yes. well. So in this unfortunate case, Warren was handed Emma's second envelope, the one that should have been completely discarded. Now, PricewaterhouseCoopers has since apologized for the biggest mistake in Oscar history, saying the presenters had mistakenly been given the wrong category envelope and when discovered was immediately corrected. We are currently investigating how this could have happened and deeply regret that this occurred. And Trump tweeted, and he was right on as he so often is. I think that they were so focused on politics that they didn't get their act together at the end. There was something very special missing about the Oscars show. We went on to tweet, and then the end, well, that was sad and well-deserved. And they're being rewarded with the lowest ratings in nearly 10 years on the Academy Awards. Thought I would give you the latest we have. Deb's going to give us the latest that she has on the news at 7 o'clock. More on the president's big speech before a joint session of Congress tonight that we will carry live with Yaffe Show starting at 8 and then the speech and the analysis and the Democratic response from 9 until 11. And also Florida Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz blaming Trump for what? Well, you're about to find out. Good morning, Orlando. It is 7 o'clock now as we join you from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. Good morning, Orlando. Great to be back with you here at 7 o'clock on a Tuesday morning for our check of Orlando's news, weather, and traffic on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning President Trump will address Congress tonight and let the blame game begin. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. Sunrail derailing, ridership down, among other things. Is it time to make the commuter rail? ride free. We're going to debate it next here on Good Morning Orlando. Good Tuesday morning at 7.03 on News Radio 1025. Advisors say President Trump will use his primetime speech before Congress tonight to declare early progress on his campaign promises. And the president is expected to map a path ahead on thorny legislative priorities, including health care and infrastructure spending. In a Monday preview, Trump said the U.S. spends billions in the Middle East, but has potholes all over the country. WFLA's Mike Yaffe starts tonight's coverage with his Beyond Reason radio show from 8 to 9 and then will carry the president's address live from 9 to 11 p.m., including the speech, the Democratic response, and analysis. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. There are more reports of bomb threats against Jewish community centers across the country, including at the David Posnack Jewish Community Center in Cooper City in Broward County. The Anti-Defamation League says there were at least 20 threats called into centers in at least a dozen states yesterday. Swastikas were also found carved into cars in Miami Beach. Rabbi Mendy Levy says all of this has Jews here in Florida and nationwide on edge. It's a predominantly Jewish area over here, and just the current crisis that we're in now, the the climate that it's taking place around America, it's it's very disturbing. So we want to we want people to keep vigilant. It's the fifth wave of threats against Jewish institutions over the past few weeks. Since the beginning of the year, there have been about 90 reported threats. Like most of the recent threats, yesterday's appear to not be credible. The White House said yesterday President Trump is deeply disappointed about the ongoing acts of anti-Semitism in the country. Among those acts was the vandalism of dozens of headstones at a Jewish cemetery in Philadelphia this weekend. 
Florida Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz is blaming President Trump for the rise in anti-Semitism across the country. In a news conference Monday, the Democrat said Trump hasn't done enough to condemn the acts of violence against Jewish cemeteries and community centers nationwide. I don't think it's a coincidence that the incidents of anti-Semitic acts perpetrated across the country coincide with the permissiveness of Donald Trump's presidential campaign. Wasserman Schultz suggests Trump's actions have given, quote, a license to all anti-Semites to openly express and act on this kind of discrimination. The congresswoman called on Trump and Attorney General Jeff Sessions to make investigating these acts of violence a priority. Jeffy and I are both shaking our heads at Debbie Wasserman Schultz there. I mean, you have to say President Trump is about the most pro-Israeli president we may ever have had. But then again, maybe it's a backlash against that. But boy, blaming Blaming President Trump for what's going on in the in the synagogues and the cemeteries. I'd, wow, that was something to hear, Deb. Thank you. You're welcome. Mm. Finally, a, a Georgia couple is heading to prison after using the Confederate flag and an assortment of threats to disrupt an African-American birthday party. Kayla Ray Norton and Jose Ismael Torres were convicted of violating the street gang terrorism law, and they're going to be doing some serious time. Torres received a 20-year sentence on Monday with 13 years behind bars. Norton got 15 years, six of them in prison. They're the last of 15 charged in a confrontation that took place in 2015 in Douglasville. Prosecutors say members of the group terrorized partygoers by pointing guns and shouting racial slurs at them. The group had earlier been attending a pro-Confederate flag rally when they happened upon the birthday party. The threats and slurs were all caught on cell phone video. Mm. WFLA News Time 707. Read about the stigma she fought against may have killed this Ebola fighter. Online now at 1025wfla.com. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. From News Radio 1025, this is Good Morning Orlando. From the Frontgate Realty Studio, visit laurahasthebuyers.com. Great to be back with you, Deb and Yaffe and Mike and everybody. Uh, from our um, Caribbean cruise vacation with a lot of old friends, we sang our way across the Caribbean. And I'll tell you what, it it was refreshing, it was relaxing, it was wonderful. But I got so intentionally disconnected, I came back on the weekend, I had absolutely no idea what was going on. And there's stuff going on that's coming at us at the speed of light. National, local, you name it. Yeah. Yep, absolutely true. <laughs> and thanks to Mike and, uh, and to Mark Logos for hosting In My Absence. Boy, what a sunrail story we have now. A story that has Mayor Buddy Dyer suggesting perhaps we ought to let you ride the commuter rails for free. We'll get into this in just a moment. 407-916-5400, sunrail derailing. And it's something that I predicted. We want to know whether you think a free ride would gin up the ridership, which is way down. Yes or no? Would it lure you onto the rails and off the interstate? 407-916-5400 is the number. Text line 23680. We'll have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here coming up in just two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Among the local stories that I was looking over for um, inclusion here in the uh, Tuesday edition of Good Morning Orlando upon my return from the cruise, this Sunrail story that really smacked me right between the eyes. Headline in the Sentinel, Sunrail ticket revenue less than ticketing expense. Do you believe this? 
Since we began running the commuter rail system in 2014, it is reported that total ticket revenue is about $5.5 million. But it costs 150000 more than that over that period of time to actually run the whole ticket operation, prompting Mayor Buddy Dyer, as a member of the Central Florida Commuter Rail Commission, with a voice in what happens with SunRail, to say this, if we have to pay more money to collect revenue than we are actually collecting, why does it make sense to collect it at all? Suggesting we make the SunRail rides free for everybody. Wow. Listen to this. One of the problems is the ridership continues to run below projections. I remember 4300 a day was what was supposed to be the target, okay, to make this whole thing work and to make it solvent, okay? But average daily ridership on SunRail um, is now about 3400 They are way short. They're running like 70 75% of what they need, and it doesn't seem to be any change in that no matter what they do. I think SunRail is just not convenient for enough people. But what about if the rides were free? SunRail's operator, at least for now, the Florida Department of Transportation, responded to Mayor Dyer saying, you know what, why don't we make it free if it's costing us more to run the ticket operation than the tickets bring in? I mean, I understand where he's coming from on this. Now, the Department of Transportation said the commuter train would be wildly or even possibly too popular if there were no charge, among other things, all right? I think they need to run an experiment and make SunRail free for everybody for, let's say, two months so everybody can have that experience and see what it does to ridership. Maybe it'll gin it up big time. I don't know. You would think that there would be more people riding SunRail now than ever before just to avoid the I-4 Ultimate Project and the orange barrels everywhere and the lane changes, etc., but it doesn't seem to be happening. It's just not convenient enough on either end of the ride for enough people. But maybe the magnet would be if you made SunRail rides free. Would you ride SunRail if you got on and never had to pay for a ticket? Would it change your behavior and your way of getting where you want to go in Central Florida? Yes or no? 407-916-5400 is the number. And the text line, 23680. Let me tell you, SunRail has got a big, big problem that I predicted coming up. And it's not a SunRail problem so much as it is a problem for every taxpayer along the SunRail route. More on that angle on the story in just a moment. But tell me, would you ride SunRail, assuming you're not now, if they made it free? 407 916 5400, text line 23680. Give me your answer and tell me why. I'd love to talk with you. We're here for you on the 50,000 watt front porch. Texters and um, callers, I'm coming to you in a moment. And, and my question to you is so if it's costing more to run the ticket operation on SunRail than the tickets actually bring in, is Mayor Buddy Dyer right that, hey, maybe we ought to make it free? You know, works for me in that regard. They need to run a couple of months' test on this to really determine what the potential ridership is, okay? Take away the disincentive of having to pay for it. Make it free for two months. Now, if the ridership goes through the roof, long-term, SunRail has a chance. 
But if the ridership stays flat, Sunrail's goose is cooked. But the problem is it's going to cook a lot of other gooses as well. It's going to cook my goose and your goose if you happen to live in a city or a county served by Sunrail. That's the city of Orlando and all the counties along the route. Because in 2021, the State Department of Transportation turns over the operation and, yes, the costs of operating Sunrail to those local government entities. And if the ridership continues to flag like it has and run way below projections, somebody's going to have to make up the difference, and the taxpayers are going to be called upon to do it. They will, they will institute tax hikes to pay for Sunrail and subsidize it and keep the train going. There may be screams then by the public to say, shut the whole thing down, it's not working. But trust me, the tax hike will be coming if you live along the route, whether or not you use Sunrail. Yaffe, this is a mess. This is a mess. A one that we predicted. Absolutely you right. predicted for sure. <laughs> Absolutely right. You know, there is simply not enough demand. It's not convenient enough on either end for enough people. Yeah, okay? it doesn't really go to the right places. I mean, I was th- I'm was i sitting here, I'm thinking, if I wanted to take a train, where would I want to take the train to in Orlando? The airport or the theme parks? It doesn't go to either one of those places or the convention center. Right. So why would I? Well, they're looking I at, it's train? called a commuter rail system because it's to get people to and from work, okay? But the uh, problem is you get off in downtown Orlando, you know, and uh, or, or wherever you are on the uh, north or south end of this thing, and then, then you've still got a trek to get where you want to go for 90% of the people, you know? Well, I know, and a lot of people don't work downtown. Let's go to Barbara in Orlando. So if they make Sunrail free, do you hop on board, Barbara, or not? No. Why? Because uh, their hours are too restrictive. Uh, And I work with uh, lots of people. I run seven groups a week, and most of them don't ride it because it shuts down too early, and it's not available on the weekend. Yeah, we don't have it on nights and weekends. They've had some experiments with that. They've had local corporations footing the bill for it to run on weekends. I mean, this whole thing is running on a shoestring. Very interesting, Barbara, that it, uh, you know, unless they change the schedule, no chance that you'll be riding. What are the texters saying at 23680, Yaffe? Yeah, I had one person said it would just become a rolling homeless shelter. I've actually <laughs> had a couple of texters mention that, that you would have a big problem with homeless people getting on it. And just being on it all day if it was free. So that's very interesting. Wow. Wow. They could just ride an air-conditioned comfort. And it is a nice ride on Sunrail. It really is. Yeah. So there you would just be a, get a lot of people would say that. Um, one other person said, I wouldn't I wouldn't ride it if I lived at one train station and worked at another one. Um, he's spoiled by the luxury, privacy, and freedom of a car. So he likes that. And a lot of people say this is just a mess. It is a mess. It is a mess. But I think they need to try. This is a desperate situation. You know, desperate times call for desperate measures, Twas said, okay? Go two months free, see what it does to the ridership. Then you will know whether there is any kind of viable future for Sunrail. If the ridership doesn't go up significantly, they're either going to have to take the trains off the rails, stop running Sunrail in 2021, or the people along the, the route, the counties and the cities, the city of Orlando, are going to have to get ready for tax hikes to float it. And that's the truth. 
Deb, it's amazing that uh, it's costing more to run the ticket operation than the tickets bring in on Sunrail, and the ridership is still far below what is needed to make this thing pay. I'm not surprised by that, though. And joining uh, joining us this morning is Harry from Mount Dora, explaining why we may not be surprised by that. And also, whether or not, Harry, you would hop on the rails if they made the ride free, as Buddy Dyer is suggesting we should try. Oh, but I'd hop on the rails in a second. And I've been all over the world, and we have transit systems all over the world that make us look bad. Look, the people need to get past the idea that you're going to have a money-making, profitable venture here. Uh, the roads that you drive on are not free. You have to pay about $4.2 million per asphalt mile, and uh, you have to pay for state troopers, traffic control systems. They cost huge amounts of money that the taxpayers fund. Well, and the it comes through the gas tax, you know, and, uh, and other things well, as well. But what is the problem with SunRail? How do you make it work? You make it work by making it serviceable to the points of uh, entry and departure. You have to have door-to-door service and a network of collectors and connectors. So that you you study where the traffic flow is, you get your database, you know where the most amount of commuter traffic is going, you put a trunk line in there, and you have all kinds of connector points with buses, rails, whatever is needed to get people from their doorstep to their place of work. Yeah, because if you you still need a car once you get to your destination, right, Harry, you've defeated the whole purpose of having a train. No, that's my point of collectors and connectors. Exactly. Through your trunk line, you get to a station, then you can take a bus. Yep. Whatever else, mass transit to your place of work. You might have a little bit of a walk, but let's say 100 yards, but that's about it. Uh, all over Europe, that's the way it's done, and it can be done here, but it's going to take a lot of time, a lot of planning, and a lot of money. Yep. Yeah, Harry, York, thank you. Your points are all well taken. And Chicago, yeah, we just, you know, the train doesn't go anywhere, and then when you get to where you kind of want to go, you still kind of need a car to get there. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. But meanwhile, while we contemplate the situation with SunRail, what else is going on, Deb? Well, we've got President Trump about to give his biggest speech since taking office tonight. When he addresses a joint session of Congress, Trump will advocate for a sharp boost in defense spending. He's expected to send his first budget proposal to lawmakers this week. The plan calls for a 10% hike in defense spending or about $54 billion. Former Kentucky Governor uh, Steve Bashir will deliver the Democratic response to the president's speech and our very own Mike Yaffe. We'll kick off tonight's coverage on News Radio 1025 WFLA with his Beyond Reason radio show from 8 to 9. And then we'll carry the president's address live from 9 to 11, including the speech, the Democratic response, and analysis. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Uh, for a lot of folks, including myself, on Sunday, the news that we had uh, lost Bill Paxton came as such a shock, and it is just. Oh, I know it. He's the last person. Was sixty-one, and he died after heart surgery. Apparently, had some kind of a stroke. It's just, it's just awful. He seemed to be such a good guy, and and it was such a great presence on the screen in some really popular movies. Yes, some of the most popular. And uh, turns out, a Twister being one of his most popular. Nearly two hundred storm chasers paid tribute Sunday to Paxton by spelling out his initials using GPS coordinates on a map depicting the heart of Tornado Alley. I saw that on the Weather Channel, and it really got me. Wasn't it? What so a tribute. Cool. Yeah, they spelled out BP to honor the leading man in the disaster movie Twister, which inspired a generation of storm chasers. Term, uh, storm chasers, rather, have spelled out the initials of fellow chasers four or five times before, but never for someone who hasn't directly made a significant contribution to the field. The uh, storm chasers spelled the initials on a map that was centered around Waquita, Oklahoma, which is a real town in the heart of Tornado Alley, served as the set 
for almost all of the movie. The initials made of red dots stretched across parts of Texas, Kansas, and Oklahoma on a black map. That's a great tribute, but Bill Paxton gone way too soon. Yeah, one of three celebrities, of course. We had, uh, you know, Judge Wapner. At age 97, the old judge from the People's Court. Yeah, we had, of course, Bill Paxton. And for Game of Thrones fans, uh, Neil Fingleton, listed as Britain's tallest man at 7'7", died this past weekend at age 36 Hmm. from heart disease. Only 36. Boy, the passing parade, Deb. Yeah, it's already begun in 2017. Tomorrow's not promised for any one of us. Well... We're anticipating a great show here tomorrow, though. We're going to continue to do show prep, aren't we? We are. We're going to keep trudging forward. The good Lord has a little mercy. We may be here again tomorrow. Amen. All right, Deb, thank you so much. All right, we got our contestants lined up on the 50,000-watt front porch, our first string ready to go and play the sound judgment game. And if somebody gets a wrong answer, though, that line will open up for you at 407-916-5400. Be ready to call immediately and jump everybody else. Michael, let's talk about the prize we have today, and it concerns one of the most powerful movies I have seen in recent years. I'd say so. Our winner today will get a copy of Hacksaw Ridge on Blu-ray, DVD, and digital HD. From acclaimed director Mel Gibson comes Hacksaw Ridge starring Andrew Garfield, Sam Worthington, and Vince Vaughn. Experience the extraordinary true story of one of the greatest heroes in American history who single-handedly saved 75 of his men during World World War II's bloodiest battle and never fired a bullet. Nominated for six Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Best Actor, and Best Director, on Hacksaw Ridge on Blu-ray, DVD, and Digital HD from Lionsgate. Yep, I don't know if it won anything, but it ought to have won a pack of awards. It was just absolutely fantastic, gripping, gripping true story. You've got it on us, Hacksaw Ridge, if you have the answer to our sound judgment question. Now, at Sunday night's Academy Awards, the salesman won the Best Foreign Language Film Oscar, but the director wasn't there to accept the gold statue. He boycotted the Oscars in protest of President Trump's temporary ban on travel into the U.S. from seven countries that are hotbeds of radical Islamic terrorism, including the director's home country. For our sound judgment game today, I want you to listen closely as a statement is read at the awards on the director's behalf, and then use your sound judgment to tell me what country the boycotting director is from. I'm sorry I'm not with you tonight. My absence is out of respect for the people of my country and those of other six nations whom have been disrespected by the inhumane law that bans entry of immigrants to the U.S. And, of course, they loved it in La La Land. Now, the question, what country is the boycotting director from? Let's go to line three on WFLA. Good morning, line three. I'm going to take a stab at it. Is it by chance Iran? Yes, it is. The crowd is going wild. One of those seven countries, Iraq, Yemen, Syria, Somalia, Libya, Sudan, and Iran. And that director, um, Oscar Farhadi, is from Iran. And you have won the Hacksaw Ridge movie. You're going to love it. Have you seen it? No, but I actually haven't. I've heard about it, and it sounds like a great story. Oh, it's a phenomenal story, and it is magnificently done. It is absolutely riveting. If you'd be good enough to give me your first name along with with the prize, I'm going to send you a personal note of congratulations. 
Yeah, but it's Glenn from Moss Park. Okay, Glenn, thank you very, very much. Always great to have you with us. Nice going winning. I'll put you on hold to talk with Michael. You are our sound judgment winner. All right, Rush, thank you so much. The Bud Man here on the 50,000-watt front porch, along with my co-host and partner, Deborah Roberts, who's moments away from updating us all on the news at 8 o'clock as we come to you on Good Morning Orlando, the Tuesday edition from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com or on WFLA News Radio 102.5 FM, still on AM 540, of course, and nationwide on iHeartRadio. But Yaffe is going into sleep optional mode here. And he's going to be on in prime time tonight with his show that sets the table for the much-anticipated speech by President Trump to a joint session of Congress, about which we talked much in our 6 o'clock hour, and we will revisit the topic in the 8 o'clock hour, because I think this is going to be a wild night in the U.S. Capitol. Yeah, I think that's probably an understatement, but it could be a very wild night. I'm curious how the democrats are going to react i'm curious if maybe congress will kind of unite behind the president at least in the beginning but i don't see that happening i think there's going to be cat calls i think i think it's going to get ugly and what i think is is you will not find donald trump ignoring it or pretending not to hear it i think he will he will he will let him have it both barrels if that happens figuratively you know what i'm saying yeah (laughs) yeah that's that's very true i mean just if you watch the debates, that's all you need to know. Yeah, exactly. How he reacts to stuff yeah, like and, that. And I'm sure some of the Democrats are saying, I don't know if I want to say anything because this guy <laughs> is liable to just lay me out right. in lavender. Um, so what do you anticipate on your Beyond Reason show? You'll be taking calls and texts. You think it'll be pretty much dominated by anticipation of what's to come in the presidential speech? Well, yeah, unless uh, something breaks today. We'll also talk about his accusation of Obama being responsible for the leaks. Yeah. I think he's right in a lot of ways. I think it has a lot to do with politics. That really chums the waters because the Democrats will be red hot on that tonight. We -hmm. played that cut that came down through his interview with Fox and Friends, and we will play it later on. You don't want to miss it. It is all coming up here on the 50,000-watt front porch. But you've got these organized liberal protesters who are disrupting Republican members of Congress giving town hall meetings with their constituents, okay? This is nasty, ugly stuff. And Marco Rubio has said, I'm not falling into that trap. I'm not going to hold a town hall here in Florida. Now, the question for you is, is Rubio smart or is he a coward? That's the question on the 50,000-watt front porch for your consideration as we roll into our number three. We'll get to it in a moment after Deb brings us more on President Trump's address to Congress tonight and a Florida expert weighing in on the Trump speech. It's all ahead here on News Radio 1025 WFLA-FM, still on AM 540 nationwide on iHeartRadio. From all of us on a Tuesday morning, it is good to be back from vacation And uh, we are glad you're with us at 7.59. Good morning, Orlando. Tuesday morning on the 50,000-watt front porch. We greet you at the top of the 8 o'clock hour with the latest look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning, President Trump will address Congress tonight and a Florida expert weighs in. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. Rubio bails on a town hall. Smart move or cowardly move? Next on Good Morning Orlando. 
Good Tuesday morning. It's 802 on News Radio 1025. President Trump will be looking to take his administration forward with his first speech tonight to a joint meeting of Congress and the nation. Trump's advisors say he'll use his primetime speech to declare early progress on his campaign promises, including withdrawing the U.S. from a sweeping Pacific Rim trade pact and a map a path ahead on thorny legislative priorities, including health care and infrastructure spending. Mike Yaffe will start our primetime coverage tonight, beginning with his Beyond Reason radio show from 8 to 9 p.m. And then we'll carry the president's address live from 9 to 11, including the speech, the Democratic response and analysis. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. University of South Florida political scientist Dr. Susan McManus, meanwhile, expects President Trump to not only spell out his agenda, but also take Congress to task during tonight's address. He'll probably go after members of Congress who aren't getting his appointments through, and he'll probably go after the news media, and I would guess spend a bit of time talking about things that he thinks need to be done by the Congress ASAP. Again, the address begins at 9 p.m. Eastern time, but our coverage will begin at 8 o'clock with Beyond Reason. Out West officials say one of the teenage family members aboard a plane that crashed into some homes in Southern California was somehow thrown clear of the crash and suffered only minor injuries. Officials say she was able to talk to firefighters about the crash that killed three other people. The plane had just taken off after a cheerleading competition at Disneyland. No one on the ground was injured. SpaceX is getting into the tourism travel business. SpaceX CEO Elon Musk says two tourists are paying for a trip around the moon next year. He said the tourists have already placed significant deposits for their trip with the crew. Their names We've kind of gone have not from been like the 80s with the, the company said the spaceflight will take place in 2018 after a crew aboard a NASA Dragon 2 craft is sent to the International Space Station. Musk said the private mission would travel between 300,000 and 400,000 miles. It would take about a week to complete the long loop around the moon and then return to Earth. And the price for a ticket, reportedly a cool $200 million. The creator of an experimental gene therapy for cancer is claiming major success in a study. California-based Kite Pharma is racing Novartis AG to become the first to win approval of the treatment called CAR-T cell therapy in the U.S. Now, in the major study, the therapy that turns a patient's own blood cells into cancer killers worked with more than one-third of very sick lymphoma patients showing no sign of disease six months after a single treatment. Oh, my goodness, Deb. What news you bring us. Yeah. Wow. That would be great news for those oh, out there. My. You know, blood cancers. Oh, yeah. Waiting for some help. Mm. And finally, this isn't really news, but we'll cover it anyway. A new study out of Ohio finds that millennials are the most narcissistic generation in history. Dr. John Huber, a psychologist in Austin, Texas, says he's not surprised at the results of the Case Western Reserve study. We've kind of gone from like the 80s with the me generation to what do you think about me generation. They're very centered on how they're perceived by other people. Huber says millennials, or those born between 1980 and 1994, admitted they're narcissistic, but not as self-involved as their grandparents' generation thinks. Hmm, interesting. Yaffe's our resident millennial here. As is Michael, even more so. People 60 and up ranked millennials 65.3 on a 100-point narcissism scale, while young people rated themselves four points lower. Researchers also found that millennials don't like being called 
narcissistic, even though they will freely admit to it. That's not true. Who said that? (laughs) (laughs) But if it were true, (laughs) but if it were true, it's because we're the best generation, obviously. (laughs) Okay, you're not too narcissistic there, are you? And guess what? Icarus thought he could fly. <laughs> he could. Until they got too close to the sun and, exactly, the, and the wax melted. Exactly. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I do. The no, sun has nothing on me. My <laughs> wax is brilliant. <laughs> my wings are going to make it to the sky. Uh, all right. Now you're I love it, it when bigly. they. T- I, just, I just keep going, guys. It's uh, awesome. Okay. <laughs> WFLA News Time 807. Get the details on the 58th annual Winter Park Sidewalk Art Festival at 1025wfla.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando at full prescription strength starts now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Great to be back with you here. Enjoyed a Caribbean cruise with my wife and a bunch of old friends and had a great, great time. And I feel refreshed and we are ready to go. Good to be back with you, Deb Meister. Missed you. Missed you too. Yep. Missed yep. seeing uh, what you were looking at for the last week, too. That was <laughs> beautiful down there. Seen. It absolutely was. And I think thank you got you. a little sun, bud. I did. Absolutely right. And uh, okay. it was wonderful. It was just absolutely great. All too short. The whole week went by bang. And here we are again. And that's a good thing because I cannot wait to get into hour number three here with you on the 50,000 Watt Front Porch. And Mike, thanks to you and Mark Logos for hosting the shows while I was of course. away. Yep, absolutely right. And um, you guys are awesome, and I appreciate that. And Yaffe's on from 8 until 9 with his Beyond Reason show tonight, setting the stage for the presidential address to a joint session of Congress that runs from 9 to 11 here on WFLA. And uh, that will include the President Trump's speech, the Democratic response, and full analysis. All the way through prime time, 8 until 11, this is where you want to be here on News Radio 1025 WFLA FM and AM 540, and of course, nationwide, indeed worldwide, on iHeartRadio. So, no town hall for Marco Rubio. Smart move, cowardly move. We'll take a look at that and see what you think in a moment. We'll have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. In fact, in only two minutes. So stick around on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Marco Rubio says he's not going to hold a town hall with constituents here in um, in Florida because he is not going to fall into the left-wing liberal trap that is being set at these Republican town halls all around the country by organizations like the Indivisible Organization, okay, that is, that is organized to just destroy these town hall meetings and make Republican members of Congress look ridiculous or incompetent or both. It's really outrageous what is going on here, and Marco Rubio doesn't want to play ball with it. I'm a little bit mixed on whether or not he ought to go through with this and suck it up and show us what he's made of and go after these people. We're going to debate it here in just a moment. But let me let me tell you about the reality of these organized leftist protests of Republican lawmakers' town halls with their home state constituents, okay? I want you to listen to this. Here's what went on out in Louisiana. Trump supporter, conservative Louisiana Republican Senator Bill Cassidy's town hall disrupted by liberal protesters. This is pretty typical of what's going on 
and they clearly had an organized plan in advance to sabotage the event. I want you to listen closely to this meeting of liberals plotting to disguise themselves as conservative supporters of Cassidy and Trump. Here's the advice they are getting from their leader picked up on a smartphone. Dress conservatively, behave conservatively, right? Look, hey, we dress like students, we dress like housewives, we're in a suit and a tie. Anybody remember the old song? Feelings are safety pins, stuff, any, any signifier that you're a liberal, leave it. The liberal protesters also were heard asking their leaders for the best questions to ask and how to know when to boo, hiss, and chant to disrupt the Republican lawmakers' town hall. That was hard to hear in amidst all the chaos, but what you heard there was an opening prayer disrupted. How outrageous is that before it could even begin by shouts of prayer, pray on your own time, separation of church and state. And then a veteran gets up to lead the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag, and it is totally drowned out and shouted down. Everybody stand. Everybody stand. Put your hand on your heart. Do your job. I pledge allegiance to the flag. That's what it's come to, and that's why Marco Rubio said, I'm not falling into that trap, and I will not be holding a town hall. I don't know how you stop this, because it's all fundamentally First Amendment protected free speech. But it's outrageous. And it's bad for the republic because it completely shuts off a direct channel of communication between our elected officials and the people of this country they are elected to serve. It's outrageous. Part of me thinks Rubio just ought to bulldog it there, suck it up, and let him have it right between the eyes. But on the other hand, I don't think we should expect any of our elected officials to be subjected to this kind of outrage. What do you think? Rubio ducking the town hall. Smart move, cowardly move. Some are calling him a coward. What are your thoughts? 407-916-5400. Let me know. Text me to 23680. Jill, Patty, you've been real patient. You're going to be first on the 50,000-watt front porch in just a moment. Highly organized and really sinister left-wing activity is undermining Republican town halls held by members of Congress coming home to talk with constituents about the issues of importance to them. We, we, we played some of exactly what is going on here. Rubio says, I'm not falling into that trap. I'm not going to host a uh, town hall here in Florida, okay? Because they're, they're just going to make, they're going to try to make me look bad, and uh, he, if the conversation would be productive, I would do it, but I don't think so. Uh, he says they're going to boo no matter what answers he gives and hopes that it'll be shown on television and make it look like Rubio lacks support even though he won re-election in November. But should Rubio just suck it up and let him have it? I mean, I guarantee you, you wouldn't get Donald Trump to bail on holding the town hall. <laughs> He'd bustle up and blow him all away. But there's only one Donald Trump. 
Some are calling Rubio a coward. Some say smart move. You don't need to get involved in that, Senator. Yaffe, um, what do you think before we go to the text lines and the phone lines? Well, but I have to tell you, I think I agree with Rubio. I mean, from what I've seen of these town halls, they're just there to disrupt. It's not like they're asking questions and saying their concerns. They're shouting people down. You can't say a pledge. You can't say a prayer. It's just disruption at this point. Why should Rubio go and, what, pick a fight? That's what we're going to do now? We're just going to fight each other? So what about it, Jill? Thanks for joining us and being so patient with us on the phone line. Is Rubio smart or cowardly? Hi, bud. Yeah, I I think he is smart. I actually thought maybe he should buck it up and, and do this town hall, but after hearing what you just played, I'm kind of thinking he is smart for not going to it. And the reason I say that, I went to the Val Demings um town hall on sunday mm-hmm. and it was all about the affordable care everybody was nice and polite mm-hmm. and complimentary mm-hmm. to her there was one person who gave a really excellent example of how obamacare is horrible to her and her family that was my friend michelle and she got quite a response on that and are you course, telling uh, me that there were no right-wing conservative tea party protesters shouting down val demings Oh, of course not. They don't do no, that. No, 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 no. There was one guy with a sign that says Trump making chaos great again. And I wasn't sure if he was for him or against him. That was the only sign, by the way. That was the only sign there. And I asked him, are yeah. you for Trump? He mm-hmm. said yes. But um, otherwise, I was the, also the only one who got up and told her, I did not vote for you. And I was very nice and respectful. Yeah. But you are still my representative. And then I asked my question, which was not pertaining to the ACA. Well, that's okay, Jill. I'm going to let you go, and I think you did it in a very classy way, and that's exactly the way this is supposed to work. Now, there are those who think Rubio's making a smart move and should not be a party to this, but you're picking up incoming on the text line to the contrary, Effie. Well, yeah, originally I was getting a lot of texts that say um, Rubio's a coward. He should be like Trump and, you know, really fight back like Trump has to do. But now I'm starting to get a lot of texts coming in that says uh, Rubio is pretty smart. One person says you're not going to be able to blow anyone away when there are 100 people shouting you down. One person says that the disruption should not be tolerated. He should do the town hall and people who are disrupting should be asked to leave. So that's an interesting thought. One person had an idea that I, that I like. What's that? Said Rubio should cancel the town hall and do one on the radio, buy airtime on the radio and take phone calls instead. I'd bring him on here. He wouldn't have to pay a dime. Yeah. So, Marco Rubio, if you're out there listening, we'll give you time here on WFLA to do your own town hall on the radio and take calls and texts. There you go. And there will be no liberal disruptors here on the 50,000-watt yes. front porch. We I got like you, that idea. We got you covered, Senator. We got you covered. Deb, we're going to be talking more about the president's big speech before the joint session of Congress tonight, a bit later in this half hour, and uh, I guess you're going to set the table for us right now. Yeah, a little bit of a preview, and that is the fact that President Trump will talk about beefing up the military and border security in that primetime talk tonight. Trump will address a joint session of Congress in the biggest speech of his presidency so far. White House spokesman Sean Spicer says the speech will focus on the renewal of the American spirit. Mike Yaffe kicks off tonight's coverage with his Beyond Reason radio show from 8 to 9, and then will carry the president's address live from 9 to 11. And that includes the speech, the Democratic response, and the analysis. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Of all the amenities I could think of a casino having, 
this probably wouldn't be one of them, but New York State's newest casino has 2,000 slot machines, 77 table games, 12 poker tables, a food court, a concert venue, and a cemetery. Uh, and and one cemetery. Hey, sometimes you party too hard. <laughs> the Las Vegas-style Del Lago Resort and Casino is located in Seneca County in the Finger Lakes region. The developer had to build the casino's parking lot around an old family cemetery. Uh. There you go. Containing the graves of people who farmed the surrounding land generations ago. People who live nearby say the descendants of those buried in the small cemetery didn't want them disturbed during construction. Town officials say the casino plans to build a fence around the cemetery and make it accessible to the families whose loved ones are buried there. I would refer them to some folks who live around I-4, which is haunted by just one family. What is that all about? A German family of four that died of yellow fever and are buried. I don't know this story. Share that with us. Oh, yeah, we talked about this before. Have we? Yeah, a small, it, Maybe you know, that uh, cruise took more out of me than I thought because I'm not remembering this, but go ahead, Deb Meister. <laughs> <laughs> After your cruise, I'd be surprised if you remembered your name. <laughs> but yeah, there's a uh, German family of four that were stricken with yellow fever in the 1800s, part of a small farming community that had settled uh, in Volusia County, okay. um, had been, again, struck down by yellow fever. They were buried there on land, and for generations after they died, there was a family that owned that farmland, and they kept a little fence around the four graves to make sure they were and told every subsequent homeowner, do not disturb the graves of that family. Mm-hmm. Well, then the state transportation department comes in and starts building I-4. Remember Hurricane Donna? That was back in 1960. That was the first time they dis- they disturbed the grave. Uh-huh. And then Hurricane Charlie? Oh, in my 1998, goodness. 1998, the second time they disturbed the grave. I'll be doggone. There's drivers who've got stories all up and down, I-4. Save my inbox from getting jammed. Charlie's in 2004, but oh, who's 2004. counting? Oh, 2004. Wow. Yeah. yeah exactly. Wildfires in 98. That's right. And drought. It's one natural disaster. You get them all mixed up. Very interesting. That, that's, a, that's a great story. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Talk to some folks in Sanford. They'll tell you all about the family that haunts I-4. Most interesting. Good yeah. stuff. You're welcome. Deb Meister, thank you. You're welcome, bud, man, and it's great to have you back. Oh, it's great to be back here. And thanks to Mark Logos, and thanks to Yaffe for hosting the shows in my absence. And and you, of course, uh, anchoring the whole thing and holding it all together for me, Deb Meister. It is good to be back. Well, it's in capable hands when you're gone, but it's always good to have us back the way way we're meant to be. (laughs) All right, Deb, thank you so much. Still getting some calls and uh, and some text messages on this whole issue with Rubio saying, I'm not going to fall into that trap with these liberal... Organizers disrupting these town halls. No town hall here. Is he smart? Is he cowardly? Is the question on the 50,000-watt front porch. But, Yaffe, you just learned that President Trump on Fox and Friends this morning on television is serving up a little bit of humble pie, something that we don't normally associate with the president. I was about to say, yeah, it's not usually something you hear, but he did take a little bit of responsibility he says, for the poor rollout of the immigration ban in terms from those seven Muslim countries, saying maybe it's his fault. And then he actually gave himself a C or C plus on communicating, saying communication is not good. His administration. Wow. Yeah, Most it was front page on foxnews.com as well. Yeah. Most interesting. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Back to Marco Rubio saying, listen, I'm not falling into the trap. we got these liberal organizers, this individual group. They're going around, and they are purposely showing up at Republican town halls, members of Congress talking to their constituents, and just turning it into chaos, you know, with all kinds of, uh, of, of shouting and, and, and ridiculous questions. And uh, he says, I'm not going to play that game, so I'm not going to hold the town hall. Uh, should he suck it up and get out there? That's what we elected him to do, to face the, the tough questions. Or is he smart to duck the town hall? Here's Paul weighing in on this from Orlando. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, bud. Um, I think that he needs to go. This is exactly what they want, and he needs to deal with it. It's one of the reasons I would not have voted for him for president. Um, but these people need to – there needs to be pushback. They want to shut this down. And he's. I think he's fallen into that trap. But he needs to go and fight. See, and, you know, I, there's part of me that thinks it, it feels a little too much like little Marco, that he's not doing it, you know. But yep. then on the other hand, uh, and, and, and Yaffe emphasized the point, why should you have to put up with that kind of thing, you know? Well, I mean, it goes with the territory, I think. I well, mean, there's I, I, times I, out there. I, uh, to a point, I agree with you, but this is way over the top. We've not seen yeah. this kind of thing before. We really have not. And on the text line, Yaffe, you continue to take incoming. Uh, yeah, some people are saying that um, what should what should happen is he should do the town hall, but maybe do chants like have a bunch of Trump supporters or his supporters show up and then chant USA, USA, USA if they if they try to disrupt. But then that's just more disruption, isn't it really? <laughs> I mean, I understand the point, but then it's like, what's the point of having the town hall if we're just going to try to yell over each other? We've got to find a way to get beyond this because it it's a bad thing. I mean, it's all it's all fundamentally protected. Under the First Amendment, rights to free speech. Okay, yeah. But but if if a if you cannot have communication in a town hall type format, uh, but, but between elected officials and their constituents, that 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 short circuits a vital link that 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 is the lifeblood of a system like ours. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't really know how else to do it unless, like you say, do it on radio or TV, yeah. have a more organized event where you can have people ask questions on both sides. I yeah. mean, CNN's done a couple of those recently. Yeah. So it, I, I don't know. Well, it, it really, It's really ridiculous. It's really angry. Interesting debate on this. People all over the lot on the whole Rubio issue, and I understand where you're coming from, frankly, in this one on either side. President Trump has said something that I'm sure is going to have the Democrats madder than a hornet tonight and may set up a wild scene um, in the House of Representatives when the president makes his big address to a joint session of Congress. I'll tell you what he has said here in a moment. He has hit one of the Democrats' sacred cows, perhaps the most sacred cow, right between the eyes. Ahead. Don't miss it. 407-916-5400. Text line 23680. Yaffe, you have the text message of the day on the issue of Marco Rubio saying, I'm not going to hold a town hall here in Florida because those organized liberal uh, town hall disruptors will make a mockery of it, and I'm simply not going to submit myself to that. Yeah, he basically says Rubio should not do the town hall, and then he says this, never get in the mud with pigs. You get dirty, and the pigs love it. <laughs> pretty good advice i think you gotta to love that, that. <laughs> let's get a comment from uh elaine uh, joining us from deltona you're on with a bud man and company good morning and welcome to good morning orlando elaine hey good morning bud thank you yep. i think senator rubio should hold it but with law enforcement presence with a gentleman that can get up and say 
you're not going to be out of order. You take away the rights of the quiet, respectful people who are here for an intelligent dialogue. If you scream or shout and violate their rights, you're out. That's what I would say. There you go. We need law and order. That's the problem with our schools. That's the problem with these protesters, paid or not. It should be strict, and he should have it. Great call, and Elaine, thank you so much. I told you the waters are really chummed for the president's speech before a joint session of Congress tonight, and this is going to be even more blood in the water for the Democrats. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we had the kind of outburst you'd never see in a, in a forum like this this evening. Um, more on our coverage of that in a moment, but here is what President Trump has said about the source of these leaks the White House is experiencing that Press Secretary Sean Spicer is trying to shut down. He's uh, taken the uh, the smartphones of a whole bunch of staff members to find out what they're doing here. Something's going on, and 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 Trump smells a rat, and the rat is named Barack Obama. I think he is behind it. I also think it's politics. That's the way it is. And look, I have but a very Bush was never. Agenda. Bush wasn't going after Clinton. Clinton wasn't going after uh, Bush. Well, you never know what's exactly happening behind the scenes. You know, you're probably right or possibly right, but you never know. No, I think that President Obama is behind it because his people are certainly behind it. And some of the leaks possibly come from that group. You know, some of the leaks, which are really very serious leaks because they're very bad in terms right. of national security. But... I also understand that's politics, and in terms of him being behind things, that's politics, and it will probably continue. Wow. Calling out the former president for being behind the leaks here. That'll get the Democrats jacked up for the uh, for the speech tonight, for sure. Um, listen, uh, we've got uh, great coverage coming up here tonight. It's such an important night in the young presidency of Donald Trump. And uh, as a matter of fact, it is so important that Yaffe is going to work both ends of the day for you and set up the president's speech. Let's talk about that. And uh, here on WFLA starting at 8 o'clock tonight, Mike. Uh, Yes, I'll do my show and we'll set up the speech. We'll see if there's any breaking news today as well. But we'll talk about, you know, what I want to hear from the speech, maybe what some callers want to hear from the speech and what we think is going to happen. It's going to be... Pretty interesting, to say the least. Beyond reason, same phone number, same text line as we use here in the morning from 8 until 9 tonight. And then you're going to queue right to the president's speech uh, in Washington. Yeah, 9 p.m. And then we'll have an analysis afterwards from Fox News. So it'll be good stuff. And along with the Democratic response, which, of course, is a tradition as well. You'll hear it all here tonight on uh, News Radio 1025 WFLA FM, still on AM 540 nationwide, indeed worldwide on iHeartRadio. From 8 until 11 tonight. Um, also, I, I want to direct your attention to our website for the recap of the show, the whole podcast of our three hours. Just go to 1025wfla.com. Click on the Good Morning Orlando tab at the top of the page. Yaffe does a great job of putting everything together, all kinds of videos that we've drawn from. We've got the big story about the SpaceX launch that is uh, that is slated for the Cape with a couple of people on board in 2018. Sunrail derailing. Is there any way to get people to ride the failing commuter system? And lots of talk about Marco Rubio and the town hall, and lots of talk about the eagerly anticipated big speech by President Trump tonight before a joint session of Congress. That'll do it for this edition of the show. It's great to be back from my cruise vacation with my wife and some old friends, and I'm fired up and ready to go. I'll catch you tomorrow morning. Have a great day. Thank you. We come to you from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com.